0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Let's Grab Coffee, the podcast for anyone interested in theatre in Canada and the people who make it happen. I'm your host Tyler Check, and this week to celebrate the end of a wonderful run of Canada 151 here at the Mayfield Dinner Theatre, I sit down with my good friend and colleague, castmate, musician extraordinaire, wonderful performer, and that is Larissa Pohoreski. Now Larissa Pohoreski is an actor, singer, dancer, musician, and was recently selected as one of the top 30 under 30 by the Alberta Council for the Ukrainian Arts. Uh, she's a wonderful person. I knew uh, very quickly after getting here. Again, we became fast friends. Uh, she's got so many very unique and interesting kind of talents. She's a wonderful visual artist as well. Make sure to check out her Instagram for that. Uh, So she was definitely someone that I knew right away. I wanted to sit down and chat with. And just the more I talked to her through the rehearsal process, I was like, oh yeah, it's going to be a great podcast. So it was a great podcast. We had a wonderful chat and actually a wonderful day leading up to the podcast as well. Uh, We went to a yoga class beforehand. Um, For some people who have been following my Instagram, they might realize that uh, or might have noticed that I am very into the yoga at the moment. Um, That's definitely something I'm going to be bringing with me back to Toronto. Uh, But we went to a great yoga class and then we had this delicious meal and then we sat down and we recorded a wonderful episode of the podcast. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about how she was introduced to theater and her background in Ukrainian dance. We talked about her training at Grant McEwen and the main lesson she took from her time in school, as well as some of her experiences performing in the industry and the rise of, of course, actor musician shows as Larissa and I were the two people in Canada 151 who played instruments. So she played the violin, fiddle, and uh, I played the guitar and the mandolin, so we had that kind of bond and that connection from day one of like, okay, let's do this, actor musicians. Um, so then we discussed, and this was a big thing that I wanted to talk about, some of the creation stuff she's doing on the the creative team side of things. So first, with her theater company, Mavka Theater, which is awesome. We talk about that and some of the work they've done, some cool site specific stuff in in the woods and whatnot, really interesting stuff. The more and more I am out here in Edmonton, um, the more and more I realize I really want to come back in the summer because this theater. The community is amazing, and what they're able to create and what they do out here is so exciting. And people talking about the people, obviously, on this podcast, a bunch have talked about the fringe and how big it is. But I think I'm really starting to get a sense of that from talking with artists who. Base a lot of their uh, a lot of their career in and around the Edmonton community. So we talk about that. We also talk about uh, an upcoming production of Blood of Our Soil, which is a show that she's music directing and uh, performing in, and that has had a run here in Edmonton. And uh, actually, I have an interview coming up later where I sat down and chatted with the writer of that show. And that show is very interesting. It seems like a really cool thing, and it is coming to the Tarragon Theatre Extra Space March seventh to sixteenth. So. Make sure to get your tickets for that. I most certainly will be going to that. Blood of our soil. We talk about a lot of we talk a lot about that show on the podcast. And then again, when I chat with Liana, the writer of that, uh, in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. But right now, we gotta chat with the very talented Larissa Pohoreski. So uh, I hope you enjoy our conversation. And without any further ado, I give you Larissa Pohoreski. That's not a pent. That's just a nice circle with the five things. But I like that you see a (laughs) pentagram in the crystals that we put out. But they're all crystals of love and grounding, so it's going to be wonderful. I think it's going to work out all right. All right. Well, Larissa Pohoreski, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Give her having me. I see.
0: I tried to just kind of like sneak it in there a little yeah. bit, get her started. Um, so thank you. You said this is your first podcast, first time on a podcast.
1: Yeah. Very, I'm very so f- excited. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Uh, but when we were talking about it, I was very intrigued, um, like getting to know you during this contract and everything. Um, you uh, like the folklore kind of things. It's like you were saying the podcast that you want to start, you want to start getting into. Have that like in common with them?
1: They, yeah, they're all like, yeah, they're all mythology. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> mythology, that. folklore, dark.
0: Amazing. Spooky things. Spooky things. Well, let's maybe this will be a spooky podcast then.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Great. Awesome. So we've had a pretty wonderful day though, I will say so far. Like, I think I want to start all podcasts now with... um yoga and then like a good meal shout out to what was the place we went to eat again kb and co kb and co in edmonton it was delicious Mm -hmm. wonderful all right well thank you so much (laughs) for coming on the podcast i really appreciate it for our show tonight and everything um so the way i like to start these is just right at the very beginning so what were those kind of first things the first ways you got introduced to theater Uh, what spoke to you about it and what kind of made you pursue it
1: okay (laughs) um i don't know i think i've been thinking about this I don't know really how I got into theater fully. Um, I grew up really in like the Ukrainian dance world and watching the Ukrainian Shumka dancers, um, which at the time was like, they were really pushing the boundaries of what Ukrainian dance was and what Ukrainian dance theater was and doing these storylines through dance on stage. Um, So I was like, okay, I think I want to like that seems like something i could do and i just grew up dance
0: were you saying so that and those like starting to move more into like narrative based things almost yeah. like in the dance yeah cool very very cool yeah now would that of that type of dance and that stuff in the ukrainian kind of the community of that kind of thing is that something that everyone generally would get into doing or is it more of like it's the arts part of the ukrainian specific community
1: What do you Uh, like? Sorry,
0: like in terms of uh, like, was it, is it very common for people to go into the Ukrainian dance if they're part of that Ukrainian community? Or is it more of like, oh, it's an extracurricular that's arts based for Mm, kind of that? I think
1: it's very common, especially like Edmonton. I'd say at least 10% of Edmonton is Ukrainian. Wow. And when it comes to, um, at least currently in Edmonton, there's like, there's at least five ukrainian dance companies if not more and never mind all the schools and then and then you've also got the like the smaller communities outside of edmonton that also all have at least a couple ukrainian dance ensembles or or schools to go through so there it's it's massive here yeah i'm not sure about the rest of canada um but here pretty much everyone i knew growing up that was their after-school thing was to go to Ukrainian dance. Cool.
0: So it was very interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Now, um, what would be kind of for someone who may be going into it, didn't know anything about Ukrainian dance and stuff like that? What would be like the elevator pitch or what are the kind of like main boiled down points of that that type of dance that kind of identifies it as Ukrainian dance?
1: Right. Um, I think when you're talking to someone who who maybe hasn't seen it before, they think about the baggy pants, red boots, oh, okay. uh, girls with the flowers on their heads. Girls do a lot of spinning, lots of spinning. The boys generally do more of the tricks, um, like doing the splits in the air and mm-hmm. lots of tricks on the ground and stuff. Um, but that's just one That's just one part of Ukrainian dance. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Ukrainian dance has so many uh, smaller regional elements. So then you could kind of travel Ukraine and go to a different, learn a different style for every uh, ethnographic region of the country. So I can't boil it down. Of course.
0: Yes. Very interesting. So now how would that then, where does it kind of, like when we talk about... I mean, it's a hard question because if you, something like theater obviously has so Mm. many different reasons and so many different why, why it kind of happens, why, why people do it for escaping or enjoying or telling a narrative. So you were saying the stuff that was starting to really draw you in was the narrative based stuff.
1: Yeah. And I liked, I liked that you could, you could tell a story without words. Um, and then the reason I guess now I'm just trying to track through my own, (laughs) my own story, how I got into theater. Um, at least professionally or like choosing to go to post-secondary for it. Cause I, Oh, this is, this is good. Like feel too much time. Perfect. Cause originally I, I wanted, that. I wanted to be an animator.
0: Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So this is, I was definitely going to ask about it at some point. in the yeah. ULU, But like one of the first connections we made at a rehearsal was just being like, check this out. New markers. New I markers. <laughs> <laughs> what really I drew. <laughs> incredible. Really cool stuff. And again, really like, yeah. Very interesting. Very vivid and very, it seems like, and I mean, I'm just putting this on from what I've seen, but like bright colors and that kind of intensity of that is something big in your drawing. And that is a very animate and animation, animation style thing. Mm-hmm. What yeah. was, uh, so were you pursuing things or doing stuff? When did d- drawing and art kind of come in as well?
1: Yeah. So ever since like when I was younger, that was, that was what I did. Like my mom has, binders and binders and binders of drawings that I've done, and I would watch an animated film and immediately after watching it, like, start drawing those characters, and yeah. I just had, I don't know where it came from, no one else in my family is a visual artist, and I, I just couldn't stop drawing. So I was, after high school, was compiling a portfolio for animation school, wow. and then had a weird 18-year-old crisis where <sighs> I was like, I don't want to go to animation school. Yeah. I don't think I want to draw someone else's idea thousands of times. And that's, that's what animation is. Yeah, of course. So then I was like, I don't know what to do. And now we kind of find the link.
0: We find where they come together. Yeah.
1: Um, A very good friend of mine, Jeff Mortensen, whom I met first Ukrainian dancing. Yeah. He now Oh, he's so successful. He is a choreographer for Disney, for Fox. Oh, wow. He was the runner-up on So You Think You Can Dance Canada. He's been in Cirque du Soleil. He lives in L.A. now. Like, he's this amazing dancer, choreographer, um, film actor. Who's just He's just killing it. And he's yeah. the nicest human. And we had been talking about this time where I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. He's like, well, you belong on stage. Oh wow. I was like, what? Yeah. He's like, well, yeah, like as long as I've known you, like when you're on stage, that's home, like you light up and it doesn't matter what, what style of dance you're doing. Cause I did other styles as mm-hmm. well. It's like, that's, you need to do more on stage. And then, and then I got kind of confused because I was like, I don't know if there's a career for me being on stage and I still really like drawing And then someone else was like, Well, why don't you marry the two and go to school for theater design?
0: Oh yes, of course. Yeah.
1: So I did. I initially went to the U of A, uh, the University of Alberta for theater design, did three of the four years of the BFA program and left.
0: And we're like, No, that's I'm all right. Thank you. That's fair.
1: And was like, Oh I don't know if this is right.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it speaks to a a point around the thing about this like it's kind of what we were saying before about the Ukrainian dance and also with theater and everything like it's it's a term for so much that there's so much within it that you don't necessarily know where exactly your path is going to lie in that in that field. Like you can't just say like when I talk to people at my old high school or something like that and they go, oh, yeah, I want to do theater. It's like that's not a thing what do you want to do within it because two mm. careers can look so drastically different and two experiences and it's cool I love sitting down to chat with people in this podcast who are in different aspects of the industry because yeah they might start on stage but then they end up music directing or they end up directing or doing these different things and it's really it's an interesting thing but there is something about that stage or that place that community that coming together of people doing a show that draws people in and people know at least oh well I want to be some part of that world. Cool. So then to kind of just tie in another aspect of, of you and everything, when did violin and all that stuff kind of start? Where was that in this whole process as well? Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, again, don't know why little, like tiny, whatever, five-year-old Larissa gravitated to drawing and violin. Like I taught myself piano, my mom wanted to teach me and I was like, no, I can figure it out myself. And then, but I wanted a violin so bad. And, and I remember asking for one for birthdays and Christmas always. And then when I was seven or eight, my parents got me a violin and put me in lessons, Wow! but I don't know why mm-hmm. I was just like, I want that instrument. That's
0: the one that was speaking to you. Yeah. Very cool. Now. So you said your mother wanted to teach So your mother's a piano player.
1: My, uh, my mom is a. Choral conductor. Cool. Um, who does play the piano. And my dad is a keyboardist saxophone player.
0: Sweet. So music is very much the, yeah. that was around that world and everything. Cool. So it was probably assumed that you're going to play a instrument. It just wasn't sure. Or was it very looking back now? Obviously, that's a long time ago, seven or eight or eight when you said it was. But did it seem like you were pretty much given free reign instrument wise? Or was it seeming like they were? creating any sort of paths towards oh like because I mean a lot of kids start piano when they're really young there's mm-hmm. kind of a set path through certain instruments and I mean is seven or eight fairly common for the violin um, like when people get into it at that early age
1: I think so I think um at least the people I know those who um where their parents were like my child is going to learn yeah. violin they started when they were like four or five, Just four um, or five years yeah old. yeah I remember in competitions because there was with my age group and living in Sherwood Park, there was two other violinists who competed that were in my age category. And I hated it because (laughs) when it was classical violin, it was always Theodore Ng. And I was like, he's been his, oh my gosh. Like it's not fair. Like he's like drilled. I know his family drills him like, oh my gosh, he's just going to kick my ass every single time. And then when it came to fiddle, there was a kid, I forget his name but I remember his stage name because his, his stage oh yeah name? oh yeah this is like 10 year old kid yeah. had a, a fiddle that had been painted with like auto paint with like flames on it oh and his last name was hot h-o-t-t so it said red hot fiddler
0: oh no <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> but
1: both of them went in like their families were like These kids are going to be prodigies. Of course.
0: There was flames on his (laughs) violin. He didn't even have a chance. He was the Guy Fiore of the violin world. Like, pretty much. That's amazing. Like,
1: if you're picturing, yeah, no, you're picturing it right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. So, you were in, okay, so what was it? And did you notice, uh, because I find it interesting that, like, all the creative art forms, whether it's drawing or playing an instrument or whatever it might be, performing in theater, those kind of things, there's certain human elements, certain aspects that are very similar, like a through line of what we're all trying to do within them all. What were you seeing that was unique about each different thing that you were like? What was drawing you to drawing that was different from something, say like an instrument, but also was there anything through it all that just kind of went, oh, I think I'm more into these sort of arts-based ways of expressing myself. When did you start? I I, kind of have started recently on the podcast to ask people because I think it's an interesting point. I think we all come to a point it might not be one crystallized decision of, Oh, we're going to go into the arts, mm. but there comes a time where the flip, the switch flips and we start to identify as kind of the artist in our circles. of people, I think you know? always. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah.
1: Because, yeah. um, yeah, always, 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 always drawing, always playing violin or, um, I pick up other instruments pretty yeah, easily. Like, totally. um, and I, I found, um, so when I was in elementary school, I was in this. Oh, this is so stupid! I was in this program called Leap,
0: Leap, which amazing, was
1: a learning enrichment accelerated program, something like that. Like nice. I was, I was like a very smart yeah. kid.
0: We all know. I feel like every. It's because it's funny that we were talking about when we were having lunch. Like the Ed difference with the Edmonton school, like the thirty twenty thing, and yeah. like the Ontario. But I feel like every school had that program. It's just what that program was, it was named. Like the was smart, just Leap or smart this kids. or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: so like in elementary school. Um, like math, because we talked about math. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do regular math class. I had like my own math for myself. Um, and then on Wednesday afternoons, I don't know why we're talking about this, I I'd get that. pulled out for Leap. Um, and one thing that they did was I, they made me keep a time capsule. And I had letters in it from my parents and from teachers from all the grades throughout my years, whatever. And then I opened it um, when I graduated high school. And I remember reading a letter from my dad from when, so grade three, I guess I would have been nine maybe. Mm -hmm. And this letter, he writes that, how he knows, like I've, I've chosen a career in the arts and like, blah, 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 blah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I just accepted always, it was going to be something creative.
0: That's the way it was going to go. It felt like the normal, felt like the normal path the natural path.
1: Yeah. I couldn't like... We also talked about like, oh, what are you going to be when you grow up? Like that sort of feeling for kids. And it's, well, I'm going to work for Disney.
0: Yeah, cool. I love it. That's that. Definitely.
1: I don't work for Disney. I don't.
0: That's not what's (laughs) going on. That's funny. Um, So what then kind of leading up the kind of what I was leading to with that and just like the different aspects was something, even when you were going into like theater design and stuff Mm -hmm. like that at first, something (laughs) about that specific part or that specific aspect of the arts was speaking to you. When did more... I guess it would be, I don't know if you call it traditional, but more theater, theater start to, when did you start to get more involved in that?
1: Um, I think, so I, I did drama in high school, yeah. um, but it didn't, it didn't really click that, oh, this is a viable mm-hmm. career, right? Mm-hmm. I also grew up, my family's very supportive, but also very conservative. So the idea of um, being an actor at all was just like not on the table. Yeah. And even even visual arts, like and I initially, when I was looking uh, after animation school, I was looking at any sort of visual arts program and my dad was like, it has to be a degree. It mm-hmm. has to be a degree. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so that really limited it. and I, And that's why theater arts, because it was a degree program, there was a theatricality to it, and then it was visual and math. Because mm. it's like architectural drawings to do the set oh, yes, design, Oh, of course. Right? Yeah, yeah. Turns out I hate set design. <laughs> I super hate it. Um, don't particularly enjoy costume. I love lighting.
0: Interesting. Lighting
1: is like, it's physics. And it's also, um, you're, I always tell people you're painting the air. Yes, painting you, the air. You're painting the air. And you, don't, you can't see what you're doing until someone walks into it. So it's really integrated with the performers or with the the set, like whatever's in the space. Yeah. And I loved that. Totally. So I loved the lighting. But then in the program I was in at the U of A, there isn't there's only a little bit of courses for lighting and mm-hmm. I completed those and did my my like actual practical lighting design. And then into the fourth year I was like, I I don't know. I'm not interested enough. To complete this,
0: yeah, I get that. that's fair. Was it coming to the point where, because I know, like, like just speaking from my experiences of knowing people in the Sheridan, like the tech program and stuff like that, you kind of start with everything and start to find the things that you're more you gravitate towards and kind of specialize in those. Was there any of that specializing happening going into that like fourth year and stuff? Like, was that part of it?
1: No, so um,
0: it's just I'm more gonna, of a well-rounded. Like, kind of thing. Probably
1: <laughs> going to throw shade on the on the program. Right I think there. that <laughs> <laughs> I think that program needs a little help.
0: That's I think
1: It needs. It definitely needs some revising. Um, you. It's built that you learn all three disciplines. You learn lighting, costume, and sound. You also can do small practicums in other areas. So I did a sound practicum, but it wasn't enough. Like I wish I knew more about sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have learned more about lighting since leaving school and becoming friends with technical directors or other lighting designers and real world experience Like yeah. finding my i call them my theater dads scott yeah. peters and jeff osterlin here in edmonton just like take me under their wing um but even though the program bills it that you learn all three its primary focus is set
0: fair, fair. and i
1: i don't care about that yeah.
0: that's fair yeah again what area of it because you can be in you can be in technically what would to an outside eye or someone who maybe doesn't know look like the same career, but yeah. it's two vastly different experiences. Yeah. And I do think it's fascinating, but if upon like further, like looking into it makes a lot of sense that your first thought would be someone who's into drawing would like set design cause you're actually drawing it. But realistically the more the one I would say that's more related to visual art, I don't know. That's a hard thing to say, but it's hard. Is probably lighting because it's color. It's color in a different way. And it's also it's more about perception than the nuts and bolts. I would say set design is more mathematic for sure. And I do. But I do think lighting has more to do with because when I think of visual artist and it's something that I really admire in visual artists because it's not something I necessarily a skill set that I think I have is to be able to take what I'm seeing and draw it, or put it yeah. into the physical world in that way. I can take my experience and put it into a song, or put it into different things like that, or right. writing and stuff. But my lens visually is—I I, don't—I'm not as attuned with that. So I think it's unique because I do think lighting really does set that kind of lens. What's the lens that we're going to see the show yeah, through? That we're going to—that we're going to see the set that we're going to see the costumes in. What is that general kind of lens that's yeah, over? Yeah, and
1: I agree. And I think the other thing maybe why I was drawn so much to lighting is I think through lighting, you can have your narrative, Yeah. right? Well, you're also, you're helping to show where you're looking. You're shifting focus. You can hide the things you don't want to see yet or like bring things into... I
0: like that you added yet there. Yet. (laughs) The things you don't want to see yet. Yeah. (laughs) Hot twist.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I love, I love lighting. And I, more and more also, like when I, when I first started doing more lighting design I feel like video projection was the new thing Mm -hmm. and I hated it because people hadn't yet discovered how it can be beneficial to a show and it was just like video competing against actor video will always win yes always win Um, and only recently I've witnessed shows or been part of shows where the video is actually supportive to the actors into the talent on stage or assisting the world or the environment. Yeah. And I think we can go further that way. But. Totally.
0: Well, I think that's, and I mean, that is a valuable lesson, I think, across the board with a lot of those, like, kind of trendy things that happen. Something I would even say similarly uh, shows that are actor musician shows sometimes. Mm. Like, there are shows where you're like, yep, that, like, once that is a show that needs to be told that way because that is the story with the actors and stuff like that. Uh, and then other shows where it's like, oh, that character will just play a guitar because, like, just, they'll just play the guitar. Like it's when you put it into a, when you force it onto a show as opposed to it being a natural part of what's supposed mm-hmm. to happen. I think it's a, a similar trend also with, in the last couple of years, site-specific theater has gotten really, really popular. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes you see it and you're like, that's exactly where that story needed to be told. And sometimes you're like, why didn't you just put this in? Like, I would have just seen this in a theater and it would have been, is it essential or is it essential to the way you're telling the story? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting question. And I do think lightning, lighting is also a, uh, an interesting ballgame because it's one of those things I would put music direction in the same category of things where when it's done poorly it's all you can like think about like, yeah. like, but when it's done beautifully it's almost rarely talked about that's true because it just it's just so a part of the rest of the narrative and the rest of the story that you're not even fi- aware of the fact that that cutoff was so good or that that light was exactly the way it was supposed to be but yeah it's got that kind of Grace to it, I think.
1: Yep. Unless you're talking to someone to me and I'm like, ooh, I wonder what color they use there on that film. Yeah, exactly. You're <laughs> very nice, What's in very the grid nice right now.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Totally. But I think and this is actually gonna lead me nicely into the next question I was gonna ask, because I do think the beautiful thing about our career and a career in the arts is you're learning from every human experience you have mm-hmm. about your your career and about what you're doing. So through your time. Uh, at school for theater design those three years that you were there maybe now into your performing career into the different things that you're doing in the industry and in your life what are some lessons or kind of big learned experiences you thought you had uh during your time at u of a that you're like oh i definitely learned that there and have transferred into my career
1: yeah so i'm gonna do a little half step thing here love it so three years u of a it took the year the fourth year off with the full intention of going back. Okay. But I was like very sick at the time dealing with a lot of depression and just, I was like, I need, I need to be away. I need to be away. And everyone there was really supportive and be like, yep. And you'll come back and it'll be great. And then in that gap year, I again talked to my friend Jeff and was like, I don't know what's happening. He's like, why are you not on stage yet? Yeah, Yeah. Oh yeah. We had that conversation before. Hmm. Well, I don't know. And then he was like, have you considered McEwen mm-hmm. because McEwen university is a musical theater program. Now again, going to throw some shade on the university of Alberta <laughs> during my time at the U of a, this is, I, I don't know if it's different now. I hope it's different now. But when I attended there, the attitude towards McEwen was like, that school is crap. Oh really? And the actors who come out of that program are not great actors. Like me meh, meh. and I'd never seen a McEwen show and yet here I was considering going to that school. But now this was um, summer 2012, I think. No, 2010. I don't remember. Yeah. It was a summertime. It was like too late to get into oh, any okay, program. Yeah, and then when I was in Europe, I was in Europe traveling that summer. A friend sent me They're like, McCune is having late... Auditions. Auditions. They're having auditions in the middle of August. I was like, Oh, like the week I get back from Greece. Of course. Okay. (laughs) Well, okay. Why not? Like I get back, I can, might as well go to this audition. Uh, and yeah, and it was just just like rapid fire. Like I came back from Greece a couple days later, went to this audition. A couple days later was like, you're enrolled. Oh wow. And it just (laughs) happened like that. It just eh? happened. And, uh, now to answer your question when I was at McEwen I was really fortunate because I was now going to school as a mature student
0: Mm -hmm. oh yes of course yeah
1: um the majority of my classmates were 17 18 like recent high school graduates first year in college university so um I already had been through that I didn't have to deal with any of that stress I had already taken theater history, play analysis, modernism, all of those sort of elective courses and didn't have to take those because that all transferred. So I could just focus on the primaries of acting, singing, dancing. And I kind of made it my mission with my class of actors to really respect the class of technicians. And my whole thing was, I wish everybody could learn even just a little bit of the other side. Oh yeah. I like stage management. Fuck. uh, Oh, sorry. It's all good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's the little E on the podcast. That's so funny. You are all good. You can swear (laughs) all you want. Sorry mom.
1: Like, yeah, I think that, that coming from the university of Alberta, from the theater design program and also working with technicians and directors and stage managers before I even started as an actor is like, it's huge. It's massive. It's really shaped how I work as an actor. And especially if we're in q to q the moment I step into that room, like you, you respect everybody. And like, there's actors I know that are like, oh my gosh, it's taking so long to like do this, like, uh, to do, I don't know. We've been light walking for eight hours. I'm like, yeah, but it's going to look beautiful. Also lighting, poor lighting designers, lighting for anybody who doesn't know, like (laughs) Lighting is the last to get into the theater and they're expected to do, to finish quickly. Like,
0: that's true. That <laughs> is the one where it's like, if a light's taking a sec, people are like, Hey, why isn't light taking a sec? It's like, give
1: they just got in here. Yeah. Like sounds been done for ages. Like the actors have been done for ages.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Lighting has not been allowed to get into the space until the set and everything has been done. Yeah. And now you're bringing everyone in and like encroaching on their turf, like give them space. Yeah.
0: And you also kind of, and I mean, you mentioned it too, how the lighting totally shifts them as soon as actors get on stage. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things that needs to be done on the fly when it's, in the room when it's people there yeah that's wild kind be kind
1: be so kind oh
0: totally i think that's the most important thing and i think it's something that i i mean it's one of the things i love about theaters: the fact that you get to be a part of something bigger than yourself then you're not it's not about you in the show it's about the whole show running together you're all a piece of something greater than yourself yeah and yeah remembering that and remembering that i i i mean i try to be as curious as possible and i do find that people have been very receptive obviously if they're crazy busy doing a lighting thing don't walk up and be like what does this do what does that do but like I think it's great to be able to have conversations with people about the thing that they're passionate about I'll go up to Harley and talk I mean that's kind of selfish because I'm really into guitars as well (laughs) but like I'll I'll go talk to him or I'll go talk to different people on the tech side of things and find out about what they're doing because nine times out of ten they're really passionate about it because it's what they've decided to do just like we've decided to step onto the stage
1: yeah or you never know like did you know uh Monsieur Lamoureux so Paul in yes. our show has played for Cirque du Soleil? Really? He's been a musician in their shows. And so like for a while I was bugging him about that. I was like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, what is you have to be such a good improviser? Woo hoo hoo. That oh, is pressure. That yeah. is so much stress. I couldn't do it." But I love hearing him talk about totally, it. Totally,
0: yeah. And I mean, that's the same thing too, because like, just in the same way that two, th- you tell, ta- you have a conversation with two different theater artists about like their experiences in the industry, it's going to be very different. Same thing with musicians. Same things with designers. Different things call for different things. It's yeah. like what we were talking about again at lunch. It's it's nice. It's like we have a bank of things we've already talked yeah. about that I can go back to. We
1: planned it. Yeah, we no, planned this whole thing. It.
0: Um, but just talking about how. Uh, one incredible musician, or even the the violinist, the hot rod fiddler man and the other guy. Um, <laughs> the fact that you can be technically the same thing, you know what I mean? Technically both lighting designers, but have two very different skill sets in a, mm-hmm. in a sense. Or I, It's the same with sound people. I know certain sound uh, people I work with uh, like to mix a show a very specific way versus others. And it's learning to trust in that process and also i think it's the importance of kind of like what you're saying about being able to focus on that with your um like your fellow classmates and stuff like that it's an experience that again can only happen when you start working on shows and it's why it's an interesting thing for actors to just get into the industry because they are not only learning the show that they're learning in their first few contracts but they're also learning how do i navigate through this group of people where do i sit at any moment with them how do i talk to them when am i in the way when am i not in the way it's just it's a whole it's a whole other ball Game that you're learning on top of the show you're already learning, and that's that. It's a doozy. That's it for is it. such a
1: doozy. <laughs> that's funny,
0: but so that's that's really interesting though because I do think. The more, in a sense, languages you can speak. If you can speak lighting, you can speak sound. The better off, because communication is like the number one thing across oh, yeah, the board with any of that stuff. I think any situation I ever hear about people talking about where there was a a more negative experience in a theater context, if you trace it back to what it was, it was a miscommunication at mm-hmm. some point. That was mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. that was the first thing probably, and then it might have spiraled. But yeah, so. uh I also find it very interesting that you mentioned how Grant McEwen happened very fast because I do yeah. think momentum is a huge thing universe, in this industry. Yeah, universe or like things they just can't aligning, see hands, but we're putting them up in the world, up to the Thank world. Thank you, universe, yeah, it really is. Oh yeah, and I just I think I'm trying to do that more as well. Of there's things that sometimes you have to muscle because they're hard work and it's dedication, but you also I think do sometimes want to lean into the aspects of whatever's around you that is starting to pick up some momentum. It's that flow state of I'm working hard, but it's also gaining some natural steam.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, I don't know how many times I had, I I couldn't see it at the time. It was other people being like, this is you are meant to do this. Like, look like you had an audition the week you came back from a trip and found out you were going to like you just just do it
0: yeah oh totally and I'm sure there was your path
1: is boom 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 so lit
0: up and I'm sure going from so also just because I think it plays an important role and I think it's something all actors or all people in the arts should try and do is travel a lot and stuff like that I'm sure there was something even around the timing of like how you were and the feelings you were having getting back from Greece that set you up to be in that situation for all that thing because yeah, you're coming at it with fresh perspectives and new things, and a groundedness of being back in a, a new place. It's cool. Uh, so then, what would you say through your time, uh, specifically at Grant McEwen Then, and then also up to that point, because again, it was musical theater, and, and there yeah. was obviously had been lots of dance and stuff in your background. Wh- where were the other things? When when did singing oh start my gosh. happening? What's going? Oh like my p-
1: gosh! So singing. Okay, I have to tell you about my, um, not my audition, but my. Uh, the first day at McEwen, we had a, a class in front of uh, all of our the new classmates mm-hmm. um, singing, a vocal diagnostic. Yes. yeah, Right? Yeah. So they would, they would kind of pair you after that diagnostic with your coach and whatever. Um, so uh, my family's very musical. So I grew up singing in Ukrainian. Oh. Okay. I grew up singing in Ukrainian. I very, very rarely have ever sang in English. Um, I also made fun of people with vibrato. Really? Yeah. My sister st- took a few years of classical voice and yeah. she'd be like in the morning going like, ah, ah,
0: and you're I was just her. like,
1: make, I don't know if you heard any of that. It was beautiful. I backed away from the microphone. <laughs> um, I would just make fun of her at vibrato and I just thought it was stupid. And yeah, I didn't have any, didn't really have control of my voice, but I could harmonize.
0: Oh cause yes. I've, Cause, my, the, cause yeah. my ear was
1: pretty good from violin. So growing up I was in uh, youth choirs and like sang in the church and stuff. Always Ukrainian, and I was always the alto because I could harmonize.
0: Yes, of course. (laughs) And then
1: we get to McEwen. We do this vocal diagnostic. I'm singing. Oh, what did I sing? Oh, a change in me. Of course, classic. Because I was like, I don't know. (laughs) So I'm singing "Change in Me" from Beauty and the Beast, and I finish, and my legs were so shaky. Like I was so nervous, not before the little performance yeah. but after. And the teachers are all talking to me and offering feedback and I just kind of crumpled. I just and you just God. like sat down on the floor. <laughs> and they were like, Oh, that's so cute. That's so um, funny. You're a soprano. And I was like, Huh? I am I am not a soprano. They're like, No, we think you're a soprano. Interesting. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then began my journey of you are now a soprano. Also, you will learn vibrato.
0: Yeah. Oh. So that's, but that's very interesting. So did that just come from just how you had been singing? So like that it just had never started to find, because I do find, and I mean, teaching, uh, I'll teach like voice lessons when I yeah. go back to Toronto every now and then. And it's interesting when people find, because there's the put on vibrato that people do. That's like the uh, yeah. aggressive And then thing. there's
1: the, your natural. Yeah.
0: When your voice is just free and yeah. then things starts. To, and it's very interesting when people start to first get that and go like, whoa, because it's a. Softening and a releasing to the experience, as opposed to trying to force the thing to yeah, happen. Yeah,
1: I think I just I had never been taught that way before, yeah. and um, in Ukrainian music, so I was always really drawn to, especially folk singing. It's called bileholos, okay. which means um, white voice or village voice. It's you can hear it a lot in like Slavic polyphonic oh, cool. sounds or like Georgian singing, like especially g- choral groups. It's that it's almost like a yell. Um, it's, it's a very straight open tone. Um, it's, I wouldn't call it a belt. It's, it came from like calling from mountaintop to mountaintop.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Um,
1: so it's a really open sound. It doesn't have vibrato. And I was obsessed with like trying to mimic that sound. Mm-hmm. And so I never really got it, <laughs> <laughs> but I like forced myself into this. I'm an alto. I sing low. I can't sing low. <laughs> I sing low. <laughs> and she and it's like this like weird, almost belty shouty sound interesting and then at McEwen they're like no 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 no, no.
0: <laughs>
1: how about we find your voice and let's find out what your voice sounds when you're like relaxed on an open d- oh hi vibrato
0: yes
1: oh hey <laughs> hey there look you're what happens naturally hanging out in there now
0: that's so funny
1: and it's not the sound that you hate And yeah,
0: yeah, it's a different. Yeah, it starts to sound like something. It's very interesting. I think it's cool, though, just talking about that, uh, like the focusing, the the Mm -hmm. specific style you were talking about and everything. There's probably some of that that does because I mean, there's only so much vocal technique, right? Like if you look at different things. I'm obsessed with different things around the world and also different just vocal styles and stuff. And you can learn something from I've actually even noticed it in this show with. um because we have a lot of rock singers in the show. Like they're like yeah. very specific rock voices that can just wail on those things. And it's looking at like, okay, what are there? There's some sort of vocal tech going on in there. And I would hazard to say that sp- some of it is probably along some certain same lines of vocal tech towards some of those more like like that folk singing, that yelly kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's something to be learned in that about connecting and breath support and, and resonance and all that stuff. So again, taking all the little things you can from everything you've experienced.
1: Yeah. I'm going fi- to find you some... Ukrainian, yes, folk Singing after, so you can see what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm it's very, very, very specific sound. <laughs> that's
0: amazing. No, I'm. That's really cool. Um, so then, okay. So moving through your time, kind of at Grant McEwen and stuff like that. Yeah. And now with again with everything else, because this was I, one of the reasons I was really interested to chat is because you you do so much in so many different aspects um, of the industry. How did that, as you started to move through, and I think it's always very interesting to look at how we kind of see ourselves and how we view ourselves, the hats that we put on ourselves as you were leaving Grant McEwen. And that is uh, that is a, how long is Grant McEwen again?
1: Uh, two years. It's two years, yes. yeah. Although is, they've, I've, I don't know if, I don't think it's happened yet. They've been in talks of expanding it to a yeah, degree. You were program. were saying, yeah.
0: yeah. Was, is it two years, is it similar to, I feel like we've chatted with this too, but um, is it all the way through for the two years? Or do you have a break in the middle? No. Or like in the, there's no break? Like in the summers? Oh, like, no, yeah, there's a summer okay, break, Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's two. sweet. So it's like four terms? Yes. Sweet. Um, so as you were kind of starting to move out of that and stuff like that, what were you seeing? What were maybe some of your first experiences in the industry? How were you viewing yourself? And what did you kind of, in a perfect world, when you were sitting there and you're like, I'm Larissa and this is what I want to do as I move forward. What, what were some of those things? Ah,
1: uh, ha, ha, ha. ha. Uh, okay, so I was really lucky Right after school, um, I auditioned for Alberta Opera. Cool. So Alberta Opera. Um,
0: <laughs> I love it. It was like I was an alto and I did this and then I went yeah, and became a friend and now I'm auditioning for the opera.
1: OK, but here's the thing. So Alberta Opera is not an opera. Oh, well, maybe. Uh, They are a school. Uh, they're a theater for young audiences company. Cool. Um, they generally um, do modern adaptations on fairy tales or folk tales. Uh, and then it tours schools for like the full school year. So I was really fortunate right after, right out of the gates from school to land an Alberta Opera Tour, which is like, wow, I have work for a year. Yeah, that's,
0: I mean, those long, it's, there's something to be said, even this Mayfield contract and like the fact that it's like three months yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's unheard of. Yeah, to have the time to actually be able to breathe and kind of sit in a contract, because most time it's up, up, go, 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 and then it's done by the time you know it. So yeah, people yeah. sit in those experiences. That's very, very cool.
1: So that was awesome. And a little bit of a, another universe, maybe being like, you are on the right track. Totally. Like, you are meant to do this. Um,
0: Had you done any theater for young audiences before at that point? No. Interesting. <laughs> do, maybe <laughs> through that, how long did you, so did you do that for the, the one year? Did you do more of that?
1: I did it for one year.
0: Cool. What would be some of the maybe things from theater for young audiences specifically that you would say have helped you in your career or lessons you've learned from doing that?
1: Um, um, I, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: I've learned that I corpse really easily. Fair enough. <laughs> and when you're performing for kids, you don't know what they're going to do.
0: Oh no, they're wild. Well, they'll tell you they're they'll tell you exactly what they're like, thinking.
1: Yeah, there was a part in our show. So I did uh, I did a version of Rumpelstiltskin. Amazing. But it was like if Rumpelstiltskin was like 1950s consumerist America. So
0: <laughs> whoa, Alberta, <laughs> get it? That's crazy. So
1: like, instead of um, the Miller's daughter, I played a lady named Peggy Miller.
0: Peggy, ooh see Miller, Miller, yeah. Huh? <laughs> and
1: uh, Rumpelstiltskin, his name was Skip Goldman, and he was a game show host. <laughs> How dare! And he had a spinning wheel like the Wheel of Fortune, yeah. where or the Price is Right oh, spinning wheel. There's
0: the wheel of the wow. Yeah. Look and at that.
1: When I had to guess his name, it was like Wheel of Fortune, like by a vowel, and like
0: oh, that's funny. It was
1: very fun some um, high
0: quality children's theater. I'm into it. it I like is, it, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I was also a tap dancing cereal box
0: well, I, I would only assume, <laughs> of course
1: but so like in that show, there was a, a very sweet moment at about the half hour mark between Peggy and her husband. It was a little like real moment about family, like cause the whole lesson was about you don't need things. Yeah. Family's important. And without fail, that's, that's when the kindergartners, grade ones, grade twos would get bored. <laughs> and they, would, they would all have to go to the bathroom and they would just stand up and walk through the scene.
0: Just like, well, I'm going to pee. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> amazing.
1: So, uh, that taught me how not to corpse, yeah. although I still corpse really easily, <laughs> I, but it taught me more about, um, maybe ignoring, audience like you it's hard because you want to feed off the audience but sometimes you might be in a show where the audience is just not giving it for you yeah. right so how to unfortunately tune them out yeah, in a well, way like you still want to project to give them the best show but you don't want to take on their crap
0: yeah well I think it's just about being the, the, uh, the market professional is being able to and not in a boring way, but in a, in a live way, give the same thing every night yeah. or like give the same thing every show you yeah. have to, this is your job is to do this thing, do the thing. Yeah.
1: So like with that tour, cause as I'm sure with million dollar you did it, how many times did you do million dollars?
0: Like 225 five, two yeah. fifty somewhere in there. So we did
1: there. Rumpelstiltskin like 260 times. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's how do you do it again? And mm-hmm. it's still new. Yeah. How do you do that? Um, yeah. School tours also just kind of taught me. A lot more besides the onstage part because you have to do everything.
0: Yeah, that's the two. It, that, it's kind of that classic thing of like I'm assuming was it like a big van and the tour it around with the sets and everything. Oh yeah, like that? oh yeah. I love that stuff. But yeah, totally. Yeah. Very cool. So you did that for a year, and then what was kind of. Um, cause you've done stuff, how, when did, and I can't, let me know timeline wise, cause now we're kind of, we're going into uncharted territories. <laughs> I'm so bad with time. I love okay. it. Uh, when, so what would kind of have come next? What were some of your next experiences performing and stuff? Then when did maybe something like the music directing you did or when did the theater company stuff, Ooh. what's kind of, what starts to come next or what is the process after you finish that year of doing the kids show and what yeah. happens next?
1: Um, I'm so bad with time. I want to say maybe more like, I think after that I did a fun, some fun fringe.
0: Oh, cool. Okay, sweet. So that's, and now have you always been, and it's something that I hopefully, uh, I want to come back here at some point and do kind of a podcast thing with the Edmonton fringe. Cause everyone talks about the Edmonton yeah, it's fringe. Massive. It's huge. Yeah. It's amazing. And being in Toronto the last couple of years, it's been nice to actually at least be able to experience Toronto fringe, but everyone's like, you got to check out Edmonton fringe. That seems like the move. So had you, had it always, has that always been a thing in your life?
1: No. Okay. That here we go. Summer the summer after graduating McEwen was my first fringe. Really? And I was like twenty four. <laughs>
0: and you've never seen a fringe before? <laughs> i had before?
1: never been to the fringe before. Wow. And I live here. Yeah. And it's it's the biggest in North America.
0: I wanna say. I feel like people have said that before. It's yeah. like this one and then Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So I had never yeah, and in my first my first fringe. I was a fool and was in two full musicals. Amazing. (laughs) Don't do that. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do that ever.
0: (laughs) That's very cool though. For you, and I mean, because you've had, because it was, you were telling me this past summer, you did like six fringe shows? Oh, I I was teching. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It was uh, yeah, just a, a crazy. Bunch of shows. Yeah.
0: Do you find, cause it's such a, again, every theater community, and that's why one of the reasons I'm excited to drive back kind of through Canada, uh, coming back from Edmonton is every theater community is so unique. The like, Calgary mm. one's so unique. The Edmonton one's so unique. The Winnipeg one's so unique. Like everything is so Regina so unique. Um, what do you think it is about Edmonton or about this theater community specifically that makes the fringe show such an interesting experience?
1: Um, or such the thing it is. Okay. I think it's a a duo. This is a two part answer. The first thing is Edmonton. Edmonton is a make your own thing town. Like it, there are so many indie companies or small up and comers or just people doing their own thing. Like I think Edmonton is really supportive. If you have an idea, you can, you'll, it might be tough, but you can find the resources. You can do it. Yeah. Um, Versus somewhere like Toronto is very much in audition
0: yeah. town. What's well, also, I think it's also very oversaturated. like just it, in any, and that's in anything in any yeah. business in any way. It's just, there's so much more in Toronto. Yeah.
1: Well, Edmonton too is there's, there's not, there's, there's never enough work for everybody mm. anywhere, but here I know so many more people that are just making their own.
0: Yeah. Making, and I think
1: it's a safe and very uh, welcoming and positive environment to do that. Um, it really encourages individual artists and yeah. and starts and then the the Edmonton Fringe um is not juried so anybody can be part of it oh. and the the main like the fringe official fringe venues those are a lottery yeah so it really anybody like in the big venues yeah, sometimes you might have amazing shows but sometimes you might have like not so amazing shows yeah. who get the same treatment, stage yeah. time and treatment. Yeah. So it's, I think it's really fair. It's that's really fair, yeah. open. Um, yeah, it's, there's, I forget how many shows were in the fringe last year over 300. Oh, like you could, <laughs> you got everything. Yeah. You got it all. It's all it there. All. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, because it's safe. You can yeah. experiment here. Yeah. It's okay.
0: And I think that's cool. Yeah. Talking about the space and also talking about, I think people respect and people appreciate because this, you're not promised anything in this career. And you, you know what I mean? You have to, you, you work for it and everything. And I think people respond to and respect the fact when they feel like they can see. And I, I think it's cool that we're moving in a lot of different ways uh, more into this and seeing this. But that idea of the playing field being more even the fair of, of just what, letting whatever stories resonate with people be able to be heard and that's Mm. that's something like Fringe offers that because like you said the stage it's a lottery whatever's gonna be there's gonna be there it's not I think people are getting very conscious of when they're being fed information versus where when they're finding their own information. You know what I yeah. mean? When someone can, ooh, I want to be watching this because it's something I'm interested in, and it's something I'm intrigued, intrigued about, and I'm doing my research or finding it myself, versus when you're kind of being geared or pushed or persuaded in the direction of, you should like this because this is what people want. Like, this is what we're trying to advertise. right? So I think that's cool and important. And I hope to see lots of Edmonton Fringe shows for sure. (laughs) Okay. So you did, you were doing two full musicals. That was your first year in the Fringe. Yes. And now is that kind of, is that very common for now also, and this is just a question because I mean, I'm sure it's a question (laughs) you've gotten before and stuff like that. What's the process around? Because did you guys go to something like, I guess, would you go to something like Theater Ontario Showcase?
1: No, what's that? No, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. maybe it's like we have emerge.
0: That's it. Yeah, the emerging. Like would would do? Is that in Edmonton or is that for like Alberta schools?
1: It's yeah. It's um, emerge is like Alberta post secondary, and you go to Edmonton and you go to Calgary.
0: Okay, cool. Um, and kind of you do like a two couple things. Yeah,
1: audition. Yeah, and it, but it's like. Ah, I didn't really like it. Like <laughs>
0: yeah, no,
1: to me, don't. it was like a glorified talent show.
0: Totally. You know? I know, yeah. and, and
1: you're, you've, you've got that time limit and they, I don't know for you, like for us, if you go over, they ring a bell Yeah,
0: and yeah, yeah, then yeah. You,
1: you like, you have to finish. I also felt a lot of pressure. Cause when I went, I was like, <laughs> I was like the cleanup hitter for my <laughs> class. Yeah, Like I was the last one. Wow. So I just felt like so much pressure. Yeah,
0: to, and also to have yeah. to sit there through, not that the other stuff isn't great, but to sit there and just wait and wait and stew in that. Yeah. kind of Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, yeah. Cause we have theater Ontario showcase. It's a very similar thing where it's, yeah, the graduating artists get to do, do that in front of theater companies or agents or whatever it is. Um, and they are, because uh, I, f- I agree and I've seen them be, ones I've seen in the past have been very like you go, then you go, then you go. And there are certain schools, um, I know Sheridan's kind of, they pioneered it a little bit a while back. But I think other schools are doing it more uh, with group numbers and also like starting mm. to make it, they're making a little bit more of a show as opposed to like stand up and do your piece, sit back down and that's that. Yeah. Which I think is helping a bit, but it is a tough scenario because at the end of the day no matter how you're doing it how you're slicing it auditions are still just weird
1: yeah and that when like at the time i was like oh my gosh like i'm gonna audition we don't really have agents here yeah there's yeah. like one agent and i don't know how i feel about him but <laughs> <laughs> so much shame. No, uh like at that time i was like oh my gosh we're gonna be in front of all these different artistic directors and like this is gonna make or break us and now i feel like no they just showed up out of kind of protocol and interest to be like who's coming yeah but I don't know if anybody too many people have really got consistent work right out the gate.
0: From that experience. From that
1: experience. And then th- the best thing for me was we had that stupid like networking thing. thing after
0: oh. And I just I feel remember like everyone listening just went, Oh my gosh. those was the worst.
1: Brad Moss, who's the artistic director for Theatre Network, um, was just over in the corner um and not really talking to anyone and I just went and stood in the corner with him and we talked about his dog. <laughs> and like just like kind of made fun of the whole networking thing. But like he was very much someone I, I adore theater network in Edmonton. Yeah. And I was like one day I'm gonna, one day I want to work with them. I want to work for the Roxy for theater network. Um, and he was like very open being like, yeah, I don't usually do auditions. Like when I pick a season, I already know who, I already know who's going to do it. Like either those artists submit the scripts to him and he associates them or he reads a script and he, he had, he knows in his mind, it's brilliant. Yeah. right? Um, and so I, last season I did a show with theater network oh, cool. and it was very much like he called me. He's like, Hey buddy, <laughs> it's time. I found a script that's, that's you. Very cool. Right. So that also brought me into like, Oh, I don't know how I feel about auditions. If work is coming to me. Yeah outside of them
0: yeah is there a different way or another way that because yeah because again I guess it's the, the beautiful thing about it it's kind of a double-edged sword because the beautiful thing about an audition is it is uh, as as fair as it can be a fair opportunity for whoever's going in there you've everyone gets their five minutes or yeah. whatever it might be but I think now in the age of like social media and the fact that we're all like like you were saying like Edmonton is a town where if you want to do something you go make it happen yeah. I think our job is because our job as actors is to audition. But I think our job more nowadays is to go out there and make those connections in a more social, in a more real way yeah. so that if you, it, it's been a goal of mine and it's been something that just kind of has been nice with this podcast and stuff. I don't remember the last time I went into an audition room. And met someone, you know what I mean. Where I was like, "It's nice to meet you." I've never, even if maybe if I'm meeting them for the first time, they we know kind of of each other and stuff like that. I love this this point of like, "I this is no one can see what we're doing." I'm crossing. We're crossing fingers. our fingers, and that's that's like I've got a thing to say about that. <laughs> I have so many. Totally go for um, it because yeah, I just think that's just, way better. Oh my gosh! Yeah,
1: so many tangents, so many tangents. Um, okay, so uh auditions being super viable and yes, lots of people get their work that way. Um, but also combination with social media and your own work, I think it's on, it's an, in an artist's best interest, interest to like, just be personable Mm -hmm. and, and show off like who you are. So like for me, so much of my work this past season and even before that has all been violin based Mm -hmm. and I do other things, but so much of a violin so um like last season at the citadel i auditioned for matilda and it was for me the best vocal audition i've ever had like my voice opened up like this belt came out that i've never had before and i was like ho!" ho. There it she is. showed up <laughs> and it was awesome and uh we're talking after and daryl goes are you auditioning for once? And all we talked about was once. And I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) Great. Yes. Because he knows I play violin because Instagram or Mm -hmm. like I have my violin. (laughs) This is a sneaky thing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe subconscious. I don't know. I very often have my violin with me at auditions, whether I need it or not.
0: Oh, yep. Oh yeah. I don't remember the last time I didn't, even if I wasn't supposed to use it. Yeah, the, I if always someone sees bring a guitar. It, they're I like, always Oh, bring can a I
1: hear a thing? Or good to know you do that. Yep. So I feel like I subliminally planted enough seeds that once was like mine
0: <laughs> yeah no totally <laughs> ages ago well i think it's also seeds that there's seeds that you're like i'm planting this i'm planting this and the seeds that are just kind of spilling out of your pocket and growing yeah. as well like you don't yeah. know the seeds that you're you know the seeds you're planting but there's a lot more that you don't necessarily know go for it i'm
1: trying to remember this one. what the third I finger have, crossing this was. this one was not anything it was just like remember remember but, <laughs> okay hold on what were we saying oh no
0: uh we were talking about auditioning social media Auditions. making those connections in a more social setting Um, and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I think I've lost it. It'll come
0: back to us. That's the beautiful thing about these conversations. Ah, It'll come back. Um, but no, I know exactly what you're saying. And I think it's, I think that's an interesting point as well. And it's something around, I wanted to actually go back all the way. I should, I'm going to start doing this. I like, this is the finger thing. It's a a good cross (laughs) the fingers. Um, but a point I wanted to make around theater, Ontario showcase and those, those showcase opportunities that we built that I definitely was so stressed for, like for that, that audition or some of my first auditions at a school. Um, And I think it's a fine line and it's a constant conversation around how much do we want to build them up so that they're given the respect and the importance that they deserve versus how building those auditions up too much, it can almost put it on a pedestal or psych you out in a weird way. You know, when does putting too much pressure start to take away from you giving your best because you're nervous or you're scared or whatever it might be? Did you get it back? I got it back. Do it. I knew it. Okay. I okay. Knew okay. You would. I,
1: I remember the thing. I crossed my fingers because he said, uh, "Where you, you go to audition, you don't know who you're going to meet in an audition. Yes. And you might meet people, you might not. Whatever. This is just a little anecdote. Um, Hades Town. Oh my gosh. So Edmonton did the workshop for Hades Town, and that whole audition process was kind of a nightmare. But I auditioned for it. Um, it was dance call first, mm-hmm. and I was auditioning for one of the fates and from the dance call, there's like 30 of us suddenly cut to three.
0: Now in Edmonton
1: auditions, that doesn't happen. Edmonton auditions, every other audition I've been to has been your like vocal and acting audition first. And you might be invited to a movement call. It's very rare that the movement call is first. So this was for me the first time it was the other way, kind of backwards. Um, So cut to three. Uh, I advanced and in the dance call, it was just the choreographer, um, and the not even the director of the show, but uh, Daryl, who's the artistic director of the Citadel. Yes. It was like a tiny table, and then go into the singing and musicianship portion, and it was like <laughs> like fifteen people, including uh the producers from broadway and oh, the director wow. and then the citadel staff and the choreographers and the music director and then right at the end of the table fucking anias mitchell <laughs> and i was like oh no
0: this is the bigger table
1: <laughs> this is a big table and i'm singing your songs yeah i no no
0: yeah, right." <laughs> that's unreal
1: but it did not go well it did not great <laughs> well I mean it happens
0: to the best <laughs> but it's yeah just, just like, oh my gosh but that's exactly because I mean we, we can't get around those experiences where sometimes <laughs> you're going to meet someone at a table that you're like that's wild but if you can more often than not through your work or through like the experiences of going out and doing things get to know the a majority of the people that are at the table yeah it can help to ease those experiences because at yeah. least you knew people person a b and c on the table before you met you know yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly.
1: really
0: scary. Totally. <laughs> That's funny. Cool. So, um, so after that and kind of like moving forward then, I guess, and stuff like that, when do we get to... Uh, oh, this was the question I was going to... I had a question way long I'm ago so that sorry. I never asked. That's all good because I was saying the first part. But the second part was, uh, and it's just a very typical question that I'm sure people from at West get a lot. Was there ever the thought process for you of going to Toronto or doing that mm. kind of thing? You know what I mean? Around that kind of thing.
1: I don't know. I've, I've been getting that question a lot because I am going to Toronto soon with a show. So I've been getting like, well, are you going to set up some like chats? Are you going to you know? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or like, are you going to talk to an agency? I'm like, but why would I talk to an agency out East when I'm here? And like here, they're not really a thing, but I, I kind of want to, like, I've done a little bit of film in the last couple of years. I'd like to do more film. Maybe I need to go out there.
0: I guess that is more of a, but they do film. I, I mean, from I, I know I don't know much about it, but if you're talking film and TV, there's some, there's a bit, a lot of stuff film out here in like Edmonton, Calgary, uh, Calgary, Calgary, yeah. more that's, so. I guess maybe it was when yeah, I was in Calgary, Calgary at Stage West. I heard a lot more like about Or like go, that.
1: go Vancouver, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um,
0: but it is, it's an interesting, and I mean, again, it speaks to the fact that there's no right way to do this. There's no one way to do this whole experience. But it's, it's an interesting thing because it's. Like, cause we always talk about like, or you were like, Hey, are you based in Toronto? It's like, yes. I am, but that's just cause that's where you go in the East. But yeah. th- there's these communities out here that are so, I don't know if self-sufficient is the word, but there is like, there's, it's a, it's a different kind of experience, a different kind of environment because the community is smaller.
1: Yeah. I I like, I don't know yet because I'm toying with the idea of, of going out there, but I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of the, like you said, the oversaturation hmm. and and then I think a little bit of like imposter syndrome sets in and it's like, oh, I'm not, I don't know if I'm at that level. Yes, I am. Yeah. But I don't know, you know?
0: Totally. Well, I mean, it's also, it's even breaking down that that in terms of the conversation of what does that level mean, right? Because it's yeah. just a different place like, around. Yeah.
1: I was shooting myself, though, when, when the rights, to, like when once first... Hit Canada, And I was so upset that I was in Edmonton. And I was like, I need, I need to be, I need to be in Mervish. I don't understand. That is my show. Why is it so far away? And yes, it's many people's show. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, I'm so, I can't even get to it. And I was so upset about that. So upset.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then look at, look at what happened. Then it came to me. It came to me. Because people decided to do it. Everywhere, Yeah. Which I think is awesome. It just blew up. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's cool though. So then in the kind of like timeline of things happening and stuff. Okay. So what happens next? When does, let's go, let's go with a the theater company. How fresh, how new is that? Oh, is that, okay. is that quite a while?
1: No, this, so, um, Mavka theater is like my baby. Yes. Um, kind of formed out of necessity because, okay, wait, what year?
0: If you don't mind me asking, when would you have graduated from Grant McEwen? Just to kind of put it in a timeline.
1: Twenty fourteen. Okay, cool. I think. Sweet.
0: Twenty thirteen,
1: twenty fourteen. I don't know. Time that, that area. Time is weird. Time's a weird thing. Time it's twenty nineteen now. It's twenty nineteen. Yeah, okay, I'm I also realizing
0: Yeah, this is the first. You're the first podcast recorded in twenty nineteen. By the way, yeah, kicking off the year in the right way. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh.
1: I think. Twenty seventeen. Cool. No. Okay, yeah. So twenty seventeen. Um, there's we were talking about, uh, there's a company here called Common Ground Art Society and they run uh, a site-specific arts festival named FoundFest in the summer. And uh, two summers ago, they created an incentive called the Fresh Air uh, Artist-in-Residence Program. So I was chosen as the inaugural Fresh Air artist and my task was to create a new project, site-specific theater project for this festival. Um, I had to... I needed a theater company name to do the project under. Um, so that's kind of how Mavka happened because mm-hmm. I needed a company name. But the I, I think the idea for Mavka has been in my head for a while because I said in Edmonton, there's like five, six, like however many Ukrainian dance groups. There is no Ukrainian theater company. Mm-hmm. There are churches, church halls, youth organizations that do Ukrainian theater, but they do like... Ukrainian, Ukrainian theater, like Soviet era plays and like shows that are old, outdated, um, from, from the old country, like, and they're, they're not accessible and they're not professionally done. Mm -hmm. And I, I really want to create a space that's um, going to bring the Ukrainian community because it's massive more into the indie arts community because I think that's a built-in audience and I just, I want to bridge the gap because I live in between the two worlds. Yeah. So that, so the idea for Mavka has been in my head for a while and mm. this was the first time I could start actually creating the stuff that I'm like, yeah. so like, that I talk about. <laughs> yeah. um, so I did. So for that festival, I created uh, Before the River. Um, which was co-written with a spoken word artist named Liam Cody. Very cool. Uh, and it was a, uh, an hour-long romp through Edmonton's River Valley. So the audience showed up and they were split in half and you had to follow these forest guides. And depending on which spirit you followed, you either saw the story from start to finish or you saw the story from the end um, to the front, so backwards, yeah. crossing in the middle. And the show was bilingual and it was full of Ukrainian folk music and none of my cast spoke Ukrainian. So that was also, for me, a chance to educate them on my culture, my language. Yeah. And then it was—it went over so well, so, so well. Like, I want to remount it. I was asked if it was going to be an annual thing. Cool. <laughs> I was like, yeah. no, but maybe, maybe if you yeah. give me the money. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> um, but also that summer, uh, I premiered a workshop of Moonshine, yes. which is my solo multidisciplinary show. The summer previous I had been asked um at Nextfest, uh, which is an emerging arts festival also in the summer, um, to perform a fifteen minute piece. And uh that was the beginning of what is now Moonshine. But at that time I had fifteen minutes I mostly improvised, mm-hmm. but I had story markers. I knew where I was going, what I was doing. And I told stories from my life bilingually with some Ukrainian folk music that I sang and played on the violin. Um, that grew two years ago into a 45 minute production. And then last year, uh, fully realized hour long production um, and it's called moonshine because I do shots of moonshine.
0: Amazing!
1: <laughs> now, I get boozy <laughs> on the stage. That's
0: so funny. Would you now? Would you say that's? Well, quickly, just I want to ask because yeah, I'm yeah, curious. Yeah. Mavka theater. Mavka. Uh, what's that?
1: What's that? So, uh, Mavka is a like a, a dryad, I guess. It's a tree nymph.
0: A tree. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, they're my favorite Ukrainian, um, like folk folkloric creature. Cool. There, for me, what it means is it's things aren't always how they appear. Yeah. Because they're um, in stories, they're either really nice. Like if you get lost in the woods, they might help you find your way out, or they might be the ones who make you lost and then kill you. Cool. There's also stories where there are these beautiful. Often young women, very, very beautiful, but when you get close to them, you notice that actually their skin is rotting and they're decayed and gross and like zombies. (laughs) So I just really like them. Cool.
0: Um, And
1: I thought, of all the Ukrainian words I know, what is one that when it is written in English letters, people aren't going to butcher when they read it?
0: I think that is such an important point. Just FY, because I think. It, everything is about balance in this career and in this world and especially when you're doing self-starter stuff self, like self y things like yeah. and coming from a guy who like started a podcast about theater that doesn't have anything about theater in the name of the podcast and like wished he had maybe thought that through a little better at the beginning <laughs> um, it's an interesting ball game around finding something that speaks to you like when you're doing branding or when you're doing these kind of things having the artist voice of these are the things that speak to me this is what i'm trying to say artistically and the business voice that the, yeah. you know what I mean that part of it that's like how is this going to be remember are people going to be able to spell it are people going to be able to find it on Instagram yeah. like things like that of just, is it already are there already 12 things that have a similar name to this like yeah. it's it's a an important part of the conversation because I was reading this thing just about like social media and that kind of thing talking about how people don't want to click more than twice to get to your whatever your thing is like oh, people won't they'll give you like boop boop. And then they're like, oh, it's just too hard to find. And then they're gone. You know what I mean? Like, so it's that accessibility thing. So that's, that's really cool that there's the practical side and the artistic side of it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, I, yeah, I was like, it can't be butchered. I think it's a very pleasing sound.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> nice to say,
1: it's nice to say, I understand what it means. It's okay. If other people don't, am I going to be upset if they don't know what it means? No, no,
0: that's <laughs> okay. awesome. Uh, now I, I really love the point. I think it's something that Um, Because I think you're right. Edmonton has a a really beautiful community of of people creating their own work and their own opportunities. And Toronto is developing that as well. There's exciting things happening in Toronto now. And I think Toronto can learn a lot from the Edmonton community and that kind of things. And I love the point you made about bridging the gap between what you see, what you can offer, like being where you fit in between two worlds Mm -hmm. and how you're able to bring them together. Because I think all of us as artists, because we're all unique and we all have our own unique artistic voice, can at some point feel between several worlds. I right. feel that way in this show, not in a bad way at all, but I feel in this show that way between the worlds of the performers and the actors and the musicians, right? Yeah. Cuz we're not quite in the band, but we're not quite in the show no, sometimes. We're just left in the lurch yeah, there. Exactly. And there's it's all about how you spin that perspective of Am I going to use this as an opportunity to bring this together to make something my own or let it pull me apart and separate me? So Mm -hmm. I think when you're looking at any opportunity, any experience, if I were to do it for this podcast, for example, I know that I really like talking with people and I know that I like making those connections with people. So if I can put that together into a thing that's not yet there in the industry with the podcast and stuff, that's great. Like I see where that fits in between worlds, you know what I mean? So it's cool that you kind of brought that up with that and with the kind of obviously all the Ukrainian stuff and everything, had you always had the intention of that being a part of your artistic voice of like when you going through theater school and stuff like that, I'm going to eventually use all of my training to share these kinds of stories.
1: I not consciously. Um, When I was at the U of A, I was often getting my hand slapped that I was making things too Ukrainian. Interesting. Like in any design project, some, something would be influenced, um, by my culture. And I, I made me so upset because I was like, but this is what I know, yeah. right? This is what I'm drawing from. And how can that be wrong? Like we had to do, uh, a fake staging of, um, Arturo Ui, and we weren't allowed, we had to like place it in a different city. And I was like, Odessa, oh, Ukraine. Yeah. And they are like, what can't be Ukraine? I'm like, but that's a crazy mafia run city that yeah. makes sense for this story. like, I'm not just choosing Ukraine cause it's Ukraine. I'm choosing it. Cause I've been to that city and there's mafia yeah. and it, this story is the mafia and like, uh, hello. <laughs> and like, or like, yeah, I would just get so discouraged from pulling on my, uh, heritage. Yeah. Um, but no matter what I did, like it was going to come out.
0: Yeah. Well I think it's like talking about what we were talking about with momentum and everything around. Um, that that's where you were leaning that's where it was starting for it was easy for you to go so write what you know do the things that do what you know I think people sometimes again I think our first thought our first knee-jerk reaction is oftentimes the right one especially in this industry and I think part of it is if you see something that maybe feels a little too obvious or like oh I don't know if I should write about that because that's like of course I'm gonna write about that it's like well then of course you're gonna write about it write about it because that why fight against something that is naturally there especially if the passion's there for it
1: I think I've, I've crossed my fingers twice. After two <laughs> um, the write what you know, but also like uh, universe stuff. So like the found fest show before the river found fest that year was happening on the summer solstice. Oh, cool! And when I was trying to search for inspiration of like, what story do I write? I, I would have been a fool not to go with the summer solstice. Cause in Ukraine, Kupalo, which is midsummer is like the most magical time of the year. It's the time where the spirit world and the, the mortal world, uh, the doors open. Cool. So things cross from either side. Like it's just like perfect story fodder. Yeah. And it was happening on that weekend. And I had the forest as my s- stage. And I was like, I have to yep. right? like, yes, everything is telling me this is the story I have to go with. And then, since kind of beginning to get more into playwriting and, and um, allowing myself to draw on my own culture and my own experiences, uh, especially Ukrainian, like through Mavko I've already got a journal full of ideas that I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is a story that I think would be perfect to adapt into uh, more of a physical theater show. Or like, this is a story um, my partner and I really want to write a show. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to tell you what it is so (laughs) nobody steals it from me. But it's like, we came, it's just like time. And we came across this story that I was like, this is, this is amazing. This is an amazing story in terms of my heritage, but also in terms of female empowerment. And like, we need to write the show. Um, Right. I
0: think that's the, yeah, that's the feeling for sure. Of just letting it, yeah. Letting it naturally progress the way it's, the way it's supposed to, the way it wants to. And I think we as, as, a, as, a, a, as people, uh, try and see narrative and everything. So we try and put that on our lives. This was meant to happen, that stuff. But I think that is a survival skill, and I think that is a beneficial thing for us to have is that ability to create narrative out of the chaos of whatever is going on yeah. and to put it into those places. And I, just again, talking about writing what you know and stuff like that, I think the beautiful thing and the fact of where we're moving now with, with artists being able to kind of share their voices a little bit more now when everything is it empowers us to write our own things because uh, why would I write anything else? Because someone else is going to write that better. The best thing you can write about is your own experience and then just being there to be a community of artists. And I think, again, I talk a lot about social media, but being able to connect with lots of different artists, you can lend your talents to other people's perspectives. You know what I mean? Like I, a perfect career for me would be, writing and creating some of my own stories and my own experiences and then going to play guitar on that person's show that they wrote and going to help with this or act in this person's show or do whatever it might be because then you get this diverse experience and a more well-rounded view of of the industry and of what you're doing And it it all translates because when you're doing this in someone else's show, even, I mean, you did six fringe shows on the tech (laughs) side of things. I'm sure that translated into your own writing, into your own other things. Um, Because, I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes when you're writing a show, you got to think tech. You know what I mean? Like, I've got 40 actors in this show right now. That's not going to work. Like, that's not going to be feasible and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) My bass voice. This is, I feel like a small segue about um, doing like what you know for someone else's show. Yeah. It's like, that's how uh, Liana McCook brought me on to Blood of Our Soil. Yes. haha! My turn Look to segue. At that. <laughs> Making it happen. So if, uh, my friend Liana, who's going to be on a podcast later. Okay. Ooh, uh, a who, special preview. With Paretic Productions um, has written a show called blood of our soil and we are taking it to the tarragon theater in Toronto in March, but I've been part of this show for a few years now. And when she first started writing it, she approached me and she was like, Hey, I'm writing this show. It has to do with Ukraine. It has to do with, um, specifically my Baba's emigration from Ukraine, um, from Russia occupied Ukraine today, uh, in the forties and comparing Russia's invasion of Ukraine today when she was writing it. Um, She's like, I know. And we didn't really know each other very well at the time. Mm-hmm. We knew of each other. And she was like, I know that you are a multi, multi-instrumentalist. Would you join this show? Um, can, you, can you play violin? Can you play other instruments? And I said, sure. Yeah. So I joined it and I uh, play bandura, zimbale, uh, accordion and violin in the show um scored all the music
0: and those first two instruments oh. are kind of in what world of things oh, Okay <laughs>
1: uh a bandura is like um um i'd say it's in the lute family Cool. It kind of it's it's like a large like a ukrainian harp sort sweet. of uh, it's a it's a string instrument you pl- you pluck it and you pluck it sweet you pluck it it's very big and heavy and the strings are very sharp oh, and then yeah. it's cymbale is hammered dulcimer Oh cool um and then accordion and violin um and but like when we started, it was just going to be me, me, and violin. And mm-hmm. then it was we. She expanded the writing. We're like, no, the different. Like I hear other voices. I hear other instruments that all come from the homeland. Like yeah. these, these need to exist here. And then it expanded into. Well, now we have an ensemble of five. We want to get some choral singing. So then I I progressed into becoming the music director. Mm-hmm because um, again, it was just the natural just, yeah, yeah, that it just grew that way. so and then I've, so I've been with this show from that beginning, and it's, yeah, just lending my talents to someone else's yeah someone else's story.
0: Yeah, being a, again, being a part of that bigger vision, being a part yeah. of something cool. Well, I want to chat a little bit more about that show as well, but I think first we should uh, set up the Instagram oh, yeah. live.: We're talking too much. Oh yeah, my God. We are back. Yeah, we are, we've got the video going. I wish people could see the lamp set up behind there. Lighting is such a weird thing when Lighting. it comes to videos. Eh? <laughs> it's a wild great. world. I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> it. All right. So we are here. We're going to do a little lightning round. Now, this is a brand new lightning round, brand new questions. Thank you to everyone who submitted the new round of lightning round questions. This is going to be fun. All right. So we're just going to start from the top now. Everyone, <laughs> I'm actually
1: sweating so much.
0: I love it. That's so funny. Um, no. but we, uh, yeah. So you have not seen these questions before and they're just 10 fun little things. So people know that it's just kind of what's on the top of your head. Okay. okay. So, here we go. Happy 2019. So it's, it's the start of 2019. What is one thing you would like to achieve or accomplish in the next year?
1: Oh, I want to do a handstand.
0: A handstand. aren't you? Oh no, that's a headstand that you did in yoga today. I did a headstand. I can't
1: do a handstand.
0: Cool. I like that one. I want to do a handstand. Okay, great. Great. You Uh, can
1: probably do one already.
0: Yeah. No, how dare you? (laughs) I mean, yeah, sure. Totally. Um, one item you would like to have an unlimited supply of.
1: Oh no! My immediate response was chips.
0: Chips. That's now you said when we were chatting before, plain chips. Is that your go-to kind of chip?
1: Like lately, yeah, plain ruffles, ruffles, regular. Oh chips, yeah, well man. that's a more
0: hearty chip. I understand that, and like it's as got opposed the to a lays. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, but but like, I I hate that answer. But yeah. that was the first. thing. The first thing. thing that came out. Yeah, like, that's one of chips. the ones
0: where like it would be good, but probably not so good at the same time.
1: Yeah, like yeah. like probably a more beneficial answer, like an unlimited supply. Yeah. Probably like gold leaf.
0: What's gold leaf? Gold leaf? Yeah.
1: It's like, it's gold, but it's been like compressed into like pages and you can use it in art. It's very expensive. Oh, cool. Um, So if I could just have it.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Just for like you would use it in your art and stuff yeah. like that? Oh, sweet. Yeah. Cool. OK, I know what you're talking about. Uh, so I am not wearing it today, but whenever I go away on contract, I always have my red plaid that I bring everywhere. Yeah. If you were to go away on contract or to when you're, let's say when you're going to Blood of Our Soil and stuff like that, which we will chat about more in this episode for all you people, uh, check it out in Toronto. Uh, what would be the first item of clothing that you pack? The first thing that you bring with you when you're going anywhere?
1: Yoga clothes. <laughs> yoga clothes.
0: That's fair. Do you have one specific <laughs> yoga outfit that's like your like go to?
1: Mm, actually, the lately, yeah, I got a pair of pants I really like. They're, is it like a cool design? <laughs> no, they're just like plain, just plain army a green. A plain and army like, green. These are great. Nice,
0: <laughs> awesome. Um. So, um, what movie do you think needs to be turned into a musical or a play? <gasps> and musical or play? Like specifically, which one?
1: Oh. Okay. Oh, oh my goodness! Okay, everything is illuminated. It's a novel by okay. Jonathan Safran Foer, which became a film starring Elijah Wood I've and the one and only Frodo. Eugene Hutz. Okay, he's the lead singer from Gogo Bordello.
0: Oh yes, Gogo. Are they like they're kind of like like gypsy folk kind of style? Yeah, aren't they? yeah, Cool. Yeah. So
1: it's my favorite film. Yeah, um, it's so quirky. And it's highly stylized and I think it would make a very interesting play with music.
0: Up uh, oh not a musical. Not a musical, not a play, but a play with music.
1: Yes, because the the film itself, the soundtrack is too good.
0: Yeah, that's you'd have to just kinda like Like move it's got Gogo Bordello
1: songs and things like that. So good.
0: So. Have you talked to Kevin about that? No. Kevin's a huge coco-Go. like he loves them.
1: I should just bring the DVD and be like, buddy.
0: Watch this! Watch this right now, yeah, totally. Like it's
1: Eugene Hoods, He's so
0: weird. (laughs) That's funny. Okay, Uh, so next question: Um, If you were to go away from Edmonton or when you're travel, if you've traveled or anything like that, what's the first thing you do when you come back home? Or first thing you want to do? Oh,
1: the first thing I I want to hug my dog.
0: Nice. Yeah. What kind of dog is it again?
1: He's a Bichon Tzu. Oh, amazing!
0: That's a sweet one. I like that. He
1: is very sweet.
0: Okay, so this is kind of an interesting, one. Uh, an interesting one. What's one silly habit uh, you would like to break, or something you can't go a day without saying?
1: That's like
0: two. That's two questions. Okay. Well, I, just, I felt like weird about asking the silly <laughs> habit one. So a
1: silly habit. I want to. Okay. <laughs> I like that I, you're keeping
0: track. You're like, okay, how many questions are we do in no, here in the light? I I
1: sometimes. Type, what I'm saying.
0: Oh, like just in convers like, like in conversation. Like against
1: my legs are like yeah. Like speci- have you been
0: doing that under the table while yes. we've been talking on the podcast? <laughs> Amazing.
1: And like complete with like shift capital. Like
0: oh, full. It's
1: very strange. I would like to maybe not do that. That's
0: so funny. Are you pretty quick on a keyboard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. right Do you know like home row and all that stuff? Like, do you like type properly? Yes. it, like Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, we had typing class of in course. school. Yeah.
0: So did, was it? Did you have Word Perfect?
1: I don't know. It was like a, a like two hands, the yeah. cartoon hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's so fun. Down in the library with all the like, computers. So
1: it's very, it's weird. Yeah. I would like to stop that.
0: Cool. I like it. If you could pick one, okay, so again, and this is actually interesting with what we were just talking about, but if you could pick one band or artist and make a music, musical out of their music, who would it be?
1: Oh, no. Um, I, see, the problem is I listen to... I live in like classic rock world, and yeah. I don't really want to turn this stuff into a musical. Maybe the Civil Wars.
0: Ooh, ooh that'd be cool. Yeah, like just a two hander.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: like that would be kind of interesting because we there'd will, be some drama there. Make this. We'll do the two hander. I'm <laughs> yeah. into it. That's that would be cool. Um, sweet. Uh, what is the last series, album, or podcast that you binged? So last like type of thing in any kind of media form oh, that you like
1: binged that I binged. Um, binging 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 oh the good place
0: okay what's the g- i've heard of that but i don't know what it is
1: i was watching it with my partner so that's why um it's the afterlife
0: oh yeah okay uh, yeah oh it's kind of, but it's kind of like it's kind of funny about it isn't it's it It's quirky yeah it's a yeah, qu- very, it's quirky very quirky show quirky. it looked like it cool
1: that or or chef's table amazing
0: <laughs> that's funny I mean it's the start of the year and I feel like everyone's talking about it on Instagram and stuff like that have you checked out tidying up yet
1: um okay I watched one episode I I don't know if I'll finish
0: Fair, yeah maybe. I haven't checked it out yet but it seems like people are going a little bit crazy it's it was the right I I just remember being like Netflix that's so I would hate her if she out. came
1: into my house and was like you can only keep the things that spark joy and I'd be like do you, I need all of my pencils yeah, exactly <laughs>
0: It doesn't spark joy, but I need it. Thank I you very much. I need
1: these pencils to draw the thing that sparks joy.
0: That's funny. Very cool. <laughs>
1: My house is full of just, so much just art pencil. crap.
0: I love it. That's so cool, though. Um, what is a show you would love another crack at?
1: Uh, a show I would love another crack at?
0: Or, yeah, get, even just get to do again. Not oh, that once, it wasn't wonderful. Yeah, once, of course. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Totally.
1: I was not ready to say goodbye.
0: It I is. believe that. Uh, first, this is just a quick one. First movie quote that comes to your head. One, two, three, go.
1: My brain went, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs>
0: Great. That's a perfect one. That's I'm awesome. So That's so, so funny. Um, and then this the last one you've done incredibly Thank on you. the uh, lightning round. Yeah. Okay. What is one show that you love but would never really want to be in? Like one that you like to admire from afar? Oh.
1: That's hard. Admir- um. Spring Awakening
0: cool i get that that's fair yeah just a different kind yeah very very interesting
1: i've played in the pit for it though does that count
0: (laughs) you're ruining the lightning right no that's that's fair because i mean that's again that's a different experience in the show but that's really cool they get where would you get to do that
1: um here
0: uh right 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 here in this
1: room no um there's Lynette Smith, uh, who's a drama teacher at Scona High School in Edmonton, also has a company of her own called Scona Theater Alumni or Scona Alumni Theater. I don't remember. Um, and she did it. Cool. And I played.
0: Amazing. Very, very cool. Well, that was awesome. Congratulations on completing the first of the brand new lightning round. <laughs> like rounds. actually sweating. So yeah, much. it's pretty stressful. And thank you to all of you for watching and to everyone for presenting in the questions. Uh, I'm going to turn this off and then we'll finish up with some Blood of Our Soil stuff. And oh, yeah. Up.
1: Batman Ninja is a.
0: Is it an animated show?
1: It's a full-length film. It it was animated by an anime company in Japan. Oh, amazing! And it's like the art style is amazing. We're just talking about Batman stuff now. <laughs> I'm exactly. a big Batman nerd. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's like the storyline is that, uh, um, Batman it has like the Gorilla Grog has had this like massive. Time Machine explosion thing Happened in Gotham and Of
0: course Gorilla Grog yeah, has Batman
1: and like All the villains And like basically The Arkham Asylum Like everything gets like Sucked into this explosion And Batman winds up In feudal Japan Oh <gasps>
0: Oh, that's just, they're stealing <laughs> that from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles third movie.
1: I mean, maybe, but it's also fantastic. That's
0: also phenomenal. That's cool. Are you a big, like, with your art and stuff like that, are you a big, like, oh, obviously you're a huge animation fan, but anime specifically, like, do you appreciate uh, not it? Not
1: some, like, I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I just haven't yeah. watched too many of it. I'm more, like, <laughs> lately fallen more and more in love with graphic novels. And, cool, And, yeah. like, specifically the, well, even though I'm a Batman fan, I love the Marvel Universe. Um. And, and I've just been collecting more and more comics and graphic novels and really looking at this that style of art. I mean, like, I want to do that.
0: Definitely. Very, very cool. Uh, all right, so we are back in wonderful lightning round. Amazing yeah. job. That was, that was a good time. <laughs> um, so just before we kind of get into uh, kind of finishing up the last couple questions and stuff, just to, we talked about it a bit before the lightning round, um, Blood of Our Soil. So that happened here first. What's the, kind of chronologically, you talked about how you got more into the music direction side mm-hmm. and stuff. What was the last experience with it? Kind of the fully like the realized thing that happened, and then how did that even? What was the process of that becoming a thing that was going to go to Toronto?
1: Right, um, I don't know about the Toronto thing. That'll you'll probably have to ask oh, yeah. me Anna a little bit stay more stay about that. Stay in tuned for a few weeks for that interview. Interview part two, um, but the show. So when we did the the run last year, so it was like a full a full run. Um, it was also really special because. The show is quite political. Okay. Um, for me, it's, it's the most, it's the first piece of art that I've been directly involved that has a political agenda mm-hmm. in a way. Um, cause it is comparing Russia's invasion of Ukraine in the 1940s, um, to Russia's invasion, like the annexation of Crimea and all sorts of atrocities right now in Eastern Ukraine um, that are still happening. So it's sort of history repeating itself. And, um, Liana and her, her partners, they, they went to Ukraine and they went to the front lines and they interviewed all these people who were either veterans of the conflict or current, um, participants in the conflict or displaced individuals and, uh, added to the script. So it became almost verbatim theater. Oh, cool. Um, And they went back last summer and that's why the draft has changed again. Um, but in last year's run, one of the veterans that they met Dima they brought him to Canada and he was here when we did the production so it was really incredible to to meet someone who's who's been affected directly affected by this conflict to to witness another actor speaking his words and witness him like just seeing that connection yeah. seeing someone I don't. I don't know. How, I'm like going to be so redundant in what I'm saying. Well, just
0: taking that real world. I mean, it's there's the we're talking about. We were talking about bridging gaps and where we kind of sit in this and where it is. How do I bring my two worlds together? But there, that's the world, that's right? The like world. that's that's real life. You gotta love when real life smashes into theater yeah. like that. You know what I mean? And,
1: and he's like, he's such a lovely human. But for him, like he thought we were just doing the most amazing thing because he was not a theater artist. But watching us tell his story and and yes it's slightly different but it's his story and they also we had like um panel discussions and and all of these things culminating at the same time as the run just really trying to bring awareness um to the current conflict but also like Ukraine's history of conflict yeah um so it was like this massive undertaking of of art and real world events cool
0: yeah. If if you had to kind of again it's it's hard with a big experience like that but what's one thing maybe from that specific theater experience going forward that like a big lesson you learned or the one of the big takeaways from that that production of Blood Over Soil?
1: That it it you're it you're carrying someone's story.
0: Cool. Especially yeah, yeah. with
1: verbatim theater. Like I'm taking it on and I'm applying Larissa's emotional responses and like my impulses but honoring like this is a truth yeah this is and this is someone's reality and i can't i have to be gentle with it and i also have to be powerful with it yeah
0: totally mm. very cool it's it's always a balancing act of that stuff hey eh? yeah um cool so then maybe for people just to kind of finish up about that what uh people in sitting here listening in, in toronto right now listening to the podcast um thank you for listening everybody but what would you tell them about this Toronto production, the Toronto run? Um, Are there many differences? And then also uh, just kind of, yeah, what would be your, again, your elevator pitch for this show? My elevator
1: pitch. Well, uh, so the show is, it's a multidisciplinary show. Um, It features live music. Would you consider
0: it also in the world of a play with music?
1: Yes. Cool. Yeah, a play with music. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because I don't, since the draft, the latest draft, like the script is different. So I can't personally picture what's going to be the same or different in this next production. But the one we just did was like, so, uh, multimedia heavy. Like there was projection mapping across the entire space and, um, very integrated with the performers. And, uh, act one was, was like, all of this beautiful contemporary choreography that was building the world and the environment using the actors while our, uh, main character like traveled through the space and did all her storytelling. So it's, if you like dance, you should come see it. If you're Ukrainian, definitely come see it. If you're not Ukrainian, come see it because you're going to learn something yeah. really important about current <laughs> events. Um, music wise, I, I was nominated for a Sterling for the score
0: Amazing. last year. Yeah.
1: So, and you're going to hear instruments and see instruments you've Probably never seen.
0: Well, I, d- yeah. I had to ask about them. When we were talking yeah. about them. Was like, I was like, "Just what's, what's the what is <laughs> very, very cool." Well, that's gonna be awesome, and I'll make sure, like, when we're when this comes out and everything, that'll all be linked below. All the information to yeah, that perfect. and everything. Cool. So, so just to finish up, the kind of the last things I want to, I like, kind of finishing up the interviews with one. Um, if you could go back and talk to yourself, just as you were, let's say, leaving Grant McEwen and kind of heading into the industry, uh, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Um, be patient shows that are meant for you will come to you when they're supposed to. Yeah. Like when you're ready for them. And like, I got really caught up in the whole, I like, I don't know if there's going to be shows for me. I'm not the ingenue. And, and thinking those were the only roles worth having. Yeah.
0: Thinking there was one path as opposed to many of them.
1: Yeah. And, and would have been nice to be like, no, 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 yeah. chill. Yeah. But also, that's changing. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> totally.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then just the way I love to kind of finish this, finish this off, um, I love asking people where they kind of see theater in Canada. And I, I, I'll be interested to hear kind of as a country in a whole, uh, as a country on the whole, whatever, and then also Edmonton specifically, uh, it's really a two-part question. What's exciting you that's going on? And then what sort of things would you like to see more of?
1: I think... What's exciting me is also more of what I want to see more of. Yeah. Um, I want to see more, more cultural stories. I want to see theater that's, that's bilingual or like incorporating other languages um, because you don't, you don't need to fully understand what everyone is saying to understand the story, and, and and I want way more of that. Um, I saw, uh, Old Stock. Hannah Moscovich. I oh, am yes. obsessed with Hannah Moscovich. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is more of this, more of this, more of this, more of this play with music, more of this actor, musician stuff, more klezmer yeah. music, more um, cultural stories, real stories, immigration stories. And I think more of those are happening, but not enough. I want, I want more. Yeah. And, and I want, I want to see more Canadian generated content. Definitely. Um, it's nice. It's nice when big musicals come here and employ a lot of Canadian actors, but I want to see it homegrown.
0: Definitely. Well, I think, Mm -hmm. I think it was an interesting, it was actually a conversation we were having in the dressing room the other day. And it's a tough one because you can only share your perspective and you only have your perspective on, or I'm just talking for myself about this, but like I would much rather see, I love that different voices are getting the opportunity to share their stories and stuff like that. And I would much rather see, um a homegrown story uh, like a, like a Ukrainian story or something like that uh, about that experience then try and force um, someone's background into do you know what I mean? into something that are that's a pre-existing kind of structure mm-hmm. I think that's important as well and again visibility and the importance of everyone to see themselves in every opportunity but there are so many incredible voices and writers and people who want to share their experiences. And that's what I'm so intrigued by is seeing new works, new stories. It's always great to reinvent old shows, the, 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 the big ones, like you were saying, like the big productions. But I'm just personally am more interested in what's next. What's the new story? What are the, what are the stories? What are the experiences that are raw and real right now? Yeah. Mm -hmm, about that kind of stuff very very cool well thank you so much larissa for coming on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure to chat uh let the people know uh i know there's a website for and everything like that and then also uh the instagram and whatnot uh just so that they can uh, find out more about it if they want to find out more and then also do date do you know the date wise for uh um blood of our soil i
1: did did, and i'm trying to find if i can where i wrote them down that's so funny oh my gosh anyways i don't have a a website currently up and running maybe by the time this podcast is posted i don't know (laughs) uh but on instagram you can find me at larissa poho or at mavka theater m-a-v-k-a theater uh that's where you can find me um also on facebook's
0: on the the facebook's Facebooks. very very cool and then uh, blood of our soil is in march correct
1: blood of our soil is in march uh Running March 7th through the 16th at the Terragon, um, being produced by Paretic Productions.
0: Amazing. And I will link the Paretic Productions and everything as well to this. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a blast chatting and we will definitely have to sit down and do this again sometime. Yeah. For sure. Let's go rock a Canada 151 we show. Do.
1: We should Canada. Yeah.
0: Alrighty, well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Larissa Pohoreski. If you did enjoy this podcast, please remember to subscribe so that you get updates about all the new episodes when they come out. remember to share this podcast with anyone who you think might be interested in theatre in Canada and the people who make it happen. A huge thank you to Larissa for coming on the podcast to chat. Everyone, make sure to go get your tickets for Blood of Our Soil. March 7th to the 16th at the Tarragon Theaters Extra Space. It's going to be really, really cool. Uh, All the links will be below for that stuff, but support that new work. Do that stuff. It's going to be really exciting things. Uh, Definitely also go check out that lightning round. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the new lightning round questions. Thank you again to everyone who submitted the new round of lightning round questions. Uh, I'm always taking new lightning round questions, so if you wish, feel free to reach out to Let's Grab Coffee on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever you please, and let me know what lightning round questions you would like me to ask my guests. Now, speaking of the Instagram, the social media and whatnot, uh, also make sure to tune in next week. Uh, So the 28th through to like the third um, on the Instagram, because I am going on a road trip. That's right, I purchased a car while I was out here in Edmonton, so I gotta drive that car back to Toronto and I figure what better way to do it than by uh, making a little trip out of it, you know? So I'm stopping in Winnipeg and Thunder Bay and a few other places, uh, wonderful places to talk with some wonderful people, so I'm gonna be doing interviews along the way and I'm also gonna be trying to uh, chronicle my whole journey on the Instagram, maybe some Instagram Lives, some Instagram Stories, all that stuff, Um, should be a lot of fun and should be a good way to keep myself sane uh, as I drive 35 hours across this beautiful country of ours so uh yeah if anyone has done a big uh cross-country trip like that before send me some tips send me some advice what uh helped you get through that big drive so i'm very excited for that we're gonna have a lot of fun and yeah tune in next week for lots of exciting adventures about all of that wish me luck Thank you for being such a wonderful community of artists, a wonderful community of people, such a supportive group. Uh, I should make special mention, I'm rambling a little bit, but this week uh, is the week that that um, artist thing on Instagram, artist thing, that uh, Instagram story thing showed up, that initiative where people were posting emojis and then uh, supporting each other in the arts community. And I think that is just amazing. I think more of that stuff should be encouraged and uh, we should continue to do it because I think it does a beautiful, beautiful thing. It brings this community together and uh, that's all I've ever wanted. That's what I've wanted this podcast to help with. So seeing that happen brings so much joy to my heart. I love all of you. This is the best community in the world. I'm your host Tyler Check and this concludes another episode of Let's Grab Coffee.